0: Welcome to the Hazel Sister Podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can.
1: Hazel Sisters, Amanda O'Brien is an artist, author, entrepreneur, and the founder of Creative Queen Bees, her business that encourages people to find their inner creativity through art workshops and VIP events. She's passionate about helping others unlock their creativity and loves teaching people about how the mindset and toolset of creativity can be a powerful skill for transformation and well-being and I love that. I mean, he doesn't want to feel well, he doesn't want to feel amazing. And if I can do that in a bit of creativity, well then why not? So I have Amanda here with me today. Hey Amanda, how are you doing? Hi Mel, I'm very excited to be here today. So on on top of being an artist, author, entrepreneur and founder of Creative Queen Beast, it says here that you actually also are a (laughs)
2: singer-songwriter. Once upon a time I was, yeah. So for it was my whole life for a while my husband's a muso so yeah my life is still well and truly wrapped around music
1: yeah yeah and so
2: you do you put out a cd i did yeah and what, what what's your genre kind of folky country nice yes have you been to Tamworth? Oh my God, about 1 million times.
1: We go every year. I have never been and I'm going for the first time in January, so I'm oh, very excited.
2: Oh, absolutely. Let's go out. I'll take you to some really cool places. Absolutely.
1: So, my friend, has creativity always been a part of your life?
2: It has, but I didn't know it as that. Yeah. So, I grew up in a family who we were quite adventurous family. So, we lived in a caravan for the best part of the first four years of my life. And I'm the eldest of five. Yeah. So we would travel up and down the coast. My dad played guitar and he would sing in pubs and we would all kind of mum what with, a childhood. I know it was pretty, <laughs> it was crazy. And when we ran out of beds, my younger sister slept in the bottom drawer of the caravan. <laughs> <laughs> so we always had adventure and creativity. Then when we, you know, when we had a house, we'd build big rock towns in the driveway and we just, you know, had lots of make believe.
1: And isn't it funny there you go. That's the impact that parents have on their children oh, because yeah. you could have had parents that were really academic and like, you know, crack the whip, you need to study. But you had parents that were creative and showed you a childhood and a life that was probably really quite different to other people's.
2: Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes I really wish my parents did crack the whip on me, yep. but I was such a daydreamer. I don't even know how I got through school, to be honest. Yeah. I went to an all girls Catholic school. Yeah. And we didn't even have art. Until yeah. I went to year 11 and 12 at a completely new school here in Newcastle. Yeah. That I was, I was like, oh, my God, there's this whole world and it's called creativity. Yeah. Mm. So, that's really
1: interesting. It's something that was always in you mm. but didn't really come up until you were
2: like in your late teens. Yeah, not in a formal way. Yeah. Yeah, because there's was no way to put it. Like yeah. other than drama and dance, Yeah, you know, I would draw and paint and whatnot at home but i didn't know that there was a thing called an artist.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you went to uni and studied mm-hmm.
2: art mm-hmm. and
1: mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. and then you went on to start your own creative design agency.
2: Yeah. So i was living in sydney because when i left newcastle there were no creative jobs like i think Peach Advertising and Gavin's Graphics was caught there was a, yeah. back then was one of the only two. Yeah. And most of our year left. Yeah. And so I was working and then travelled and then had babies. So during all of that time, I did lots and lots of creative stuff. Yeah, but then years later, when the kids were getting older, school fees got more expensive, and I was like, "Oh God, I really kind of need to do something." Yeah, that is, I guess,
1: bring sec- home the bacon. Yes, <laughs> secure an
2: income. Yeah, so I started a graphic design studio with Web at the time, and it just took off. Like, That's amazing. Oh, well, it's just—I it was really surprised to me how yeah. quickly it grew. So. Did you work on was it local businesses? In Sydney. Yeah. In Sydney, yeah. yeah. Small businesses, yeah. corporations, yeah. medium sized businesses, yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, so branding and what some of
1: your branding you're really proud of?
2: Oh, wow. Actually I worked with a woman called Melissa Brown. And she's a a money entrepreneur. Yeah. So, I rebranded her and I was really kind of proud of that. And then I worked on a magazine called Roaming Magazine, which was from the ground up and it kind of really transformed a community in terms of communication and media in that area. So, there was many things that I really kind of was pretty proud of, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Look, one of the things that I guess I'm really keen to talk to you about, is that on your creative journey and um, starting your own design business, which, you know, hats off to you to start your own business. If anybody who started their own business knows... It is a lot of time. It's a lot of hard work, mm. finding clients, mm. um, generating an income. I started, I had a photography business for eight years and I remember starting out and it's like, oh, actually I need to get clients. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, and you can't just rely on your family and friends so for a master true. to, oh to hire God. you. You actually need to go out and, you know, build a portfolio and sell yourself yeah. and to try and get jobs. Like that's that's pretty mm. full on.
0: Mm. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast.
1: So at some stage, you started to feel unwell.
2: Yeah, I was increasingly busy. The business had grown really, really fast and I was employing staff. We were scaling teams offshore and onshore. Wow. Yeah, so. So what was the name of this business? It was Creative, Creative Queen. Queen Bees. Yeah, it yep. was. It was Mark One. Mark One, <laughs>
1: Creative Queen Bees, yeah.
2: And then a couple of staff left and it really kind of rocked me. Yeah. And I then was just, in a point where I was like, the things that I could normally be okay with and I could normally handle, I wasn't. Yeah. And so I thought it was burnout and it certainly was burnout. But then I started to d- develop this pain and I just kind of put it aside. So where was the pain? The pain was in my kind of side. In your side. Yeah. In your belly, yeah. It was in the side, but it was almost like, it would then go across my whole tummy. It was like I was in labour. Oh, so really
1: painful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it would come on really suddenly and it would last for a couple of hours. And sometimes the only thing that would, you know, fix it, I'd get in the bath and I would just kind of lie there and and I just thought, I'm working too hard. But I, I went to the doctor and, you know, my period was all over the place at that point. And the doctor was like, well, this happens, you know, you're at the age where... You could be going into menopause and (laughs) you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, radio. Yeah. So how many years ago was this? That was probably in about 2016. Yeah. Okay. It was really, it got really bad. Yeah. And one night it was so bad that I was sick. Yeah. And my husband had gone out for an hour. In that time that he'd gone out, I had kind of like got to the point where I couldn't speak. And my stepson rang the ambulance and said, "Oh, rang a local. Mm. I know you know there's GP. Yeah, kind of
1: your things. GP access or doctor yeah. D home. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah." And said, "Put her on the phone." And he said, "I can't put her on the phone. She can't speak." And he said, "If she can't speak, you need to call the ambulance immediately." And yeah. at the same time, a husband pulled up, got me in the car. I can't even remember getting wow. to the emergency department. And they just took me in straight away yep. and loaded me up with, you know, whatever drugs they possibly could. could. And I think it was around 13 rounds of morphine to try and bring the pain wow. down. And initially they thought I had a kidney stone. Oh, jeez. And I was like, what? I don't... I- <laughs> come on this, yeah. because apparently kidney stones can be very very painful but no so uh, there was just a whole stack of tests and when the doctors keep coming around and asking you the same questions and they're different doctors and they just tell me again yeah. how this happened I'm like oh, I've told you like a hundred times now like it's an yeah but I don't know there might be something we're missing yeah. so I started getting a couple of alarm bells and I'm going something's going on here And so finally they said, look, there's a mass on your ovary and we just need to figure out what that is. And so that was on the Friday. On the Monday, I I saw a professor and he was like, okay, we're going to get that out. And so that happened on that afternoon. And then I went off into my life, which I thought was going to be my life. And a week later I got a call. So did they take your whole ovary out? They took an 11 centimetre mass. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the doctor at the time, she was fantastic. She said, look, she came and saw me beforehand and because it was emergency, like you're just rolling yeah. through. And she said, no, I probably won't come and see you afterwards. I think everything will be fine. We'll just get it out. You know, you know, women have cysts and yeah. masses on their ovaries all the time. And then so when I woke up, she was there. I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea. Yeah. And so she was like, tell me again how this happened. And she said, well, we've sent it off to pathology. I'm sure it's going to be fine. But, you know, we just want to double check. And so three days, four days later, she rang to say, oh, I'm getting a bit chilly right now, just even talking about yeah, it. And yeah. She rang and said, look, can you come back in? We just have to have, you know, a follow up. And that's when she said, the follow up is that you've got ovarian cancer. Well, you just flawed. Oh, my God. My my body stayed in the seat, but, like, I I went over to this other side of the room. Yeah. And I had to – oh, now I'm getting shivery. <laughs> I had to get her to say it again. And my husband was sitting next to me because I couldn't drive. Yeah. And his face just – I just remember looking at his face and it just – I saw the life drain. Because out. cancer's a scary word.
1: Mm, cancer's not- scary.
2: Not in a million years did I think that that's what it was.
1: Yeah. Do you mind me asking how old were you then?
2: That was in 2017. So I was 48.
1: Yeah. I remember being in that situation, sitting in the doctor's surgery and the doctor saying to me, you've got breast cancer and looking at my husband, my husband starts crying and I was like, so shocked. I just started saying dumb jokes because I was like, just couldn't deal with that. I couldn't believe it. And then I went to Medicare to claim back there yeah. and, and started sobbing to the Medicare lady. It's so embarrassing. Oh. Yeah. So I I hear you because I okay, go never in a million. I was thirty five. Wow. And I was like never in a million years would I ever have thought that I had breast cancer ever.
2: Was it in your family? No. Same. No.
1: It was, it was a complete and utter shock. Mm-hmm. And actually, I had felt like a drama queen even going and having the ultrasound on my breast because, like, you know, I would felt a lump there, and I was like, oh my god, I'm just such a drama queen. Mm. But when it had the ultrasound and, you know, straight away, they were like, something's not right. Yeah, I know. So, I, 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 I get you. It's like, mm. it's, it's scary. It's so
2: scary. But, you know, I think what you've just said about you think you were being a drama queen. Yeah. I think that plays into women all the time because I didn't go to the doctor, really. When you had the pain. Yeah. And because I thought, no, it's nothing. I'm being a drama queen. Yeah. So the fact that you went and you listened to that probably saved your life.
1: And, you know, it was my husband that went, make sure you go to the doctor. Mm. And I was, I remember, yeah, I was lying there getting the ultrasound and actually like, oh, my God. I was kind of embarrassed. Oh, my God. You know, because how many times have you been to the doctor Mm. and they go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Just go home and take, you know, like Mm. go and rest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Here's yeah. something,
1: you know, so you are kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be that pain in the ass woman. That
2: that's right. Yeah. We don't because we don't. Plus, also, we we also just put our needs most of the time yeah. behind everyone else's. I know that that's what I was doing because there were so many needs at the time. Yeah, you know, kids, business, family, yeah. you know.
0: Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. What treatment did you need to have?
2: So I had two surgeries and the second one was a radical hysterectomy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was everything including there's all this, you know, where your lymph nodes are around your bowel and your bladder and all that kind of stuff. So a whole lot of that came out. Yeah, yeah. And then the worst thing was... Although I laugh about it now, is that the doctor would explain to me what would be left, and she said, "So you'll have a stump." I went, "Like (laughs) yes, like on your vagina at the top of your vagina."
1: (laughs) That doesn't sound amazing, though. That doesn't sound right. I went,
2: "Oh, right, okay, yeah, I know." That's
1: I've never actually really thought about that.
2: No, and I know because you don't because it just. It all really kind of disappears. And for me, that part of a woman's body is about creation and yeah. is about creativity. Whether or not you have babies or not, it's still there. You're born with that, you yeah. know, mechanisms, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty tough. And the yeah. build back from that, I can't have HRT, I'm the kind of cancer that I had – This particular cancer was inside my ovary, not on the outside. Yeah, wow. So it counts for 2% of all ovarian cancers. And so chemo and radio do not work. Really? So it's just, okay, we're just going to see how you go. I did a dietary protocol, which was medical on ketosis, which everyone kind of knows about ketosis. Yeah. Because that sucks all the glucose and inflammation out of your cells. And... Cancer can't attack ketonic cells. They're in a ketonic state. So are you on that diet still? I wish I was, but (laughs) it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, it's like the keto diet. Yeah, it was so full on. Yeah. And I felt amazing when I was on it. And I try to, I mean, I eat healthy and and whatnot, but and exercise, but being on that particular protocol for cancer was so tough, but I had a lot. Of reasons to keep on it you know yeah
1: and do you mind me asking I mean having a a radical Mm. hysterectomy Mm. like that's intense
2: did that impact you at all emotionally huge so because
1: it's like it's like yeah womanhood
2: yeah and so many levels and it kind of it's still playing out now when that happens there's no hormones like there's no sex hormones in your body like so your body tries to create its own hormones and so a lot of women who have hysterectomies or have their ovaries removed like a lot of women have that because of breast cancer yeah you get a lot of tummy fat because your tummy's trying to mimic estrogen yes so you don't have estrogen and you don't have progesterone overnight yeah and it was like night and day and it was like, at the time, I was like, I feel like there's a part of my brain that's gone. Yeah. Mm.
1: People don't talk about that. I know people, mm. that my mother had a, had a hysterectomy at 29. Whoa. Yeah. And people don't talk about that, the emotional
2: side of that. It's huge. Because your hormones are... For women, it's what rules our bodies. Yeah. And in fact, we have our uteruses, our vaginas every part of our sexual kind of makeup and our reproductive makeup is connected from one main nerve vein that goes from our vagina to our uterus, to our ovaries, directly to our brain. Yeah. So it was, and that was severed, like all of those nerves and everything are severed. When that's gone, there's like, they have to make reconnections somewhere else. Yeah. And so that is why I felt like I'd had like a brain injury Oh, wow. Yeah, like there was so much fog and then anxiety and depression kind of set in and so then you're dealing with all of that and a new way how to be in a relationship too.
1: Absolutely, because I, I imagine that would impact your sex life in some way.
2: Hugely, it did and it's taken a really long time to rebuild that. But it was during that
1: time of going through all of that like that's that's tough, female stuff. Mm. That's tough. Yeah, but that's where you birth something. Yeah, new. that's a great word for it. <laughs> you birth something new.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess I don't know if you experienced this too. There's a there's an element of surrender when something like you know that happens in your life. Like there is actually actually nothing much else you can do. Yeah. So I
1: agree. I remember I had chemotherapy for the breast cancer. Mm. And I remember, you know, you, you get sick at each round. And I remember, you know, there were a few rounds. I was incredibly sick.
2: Yeah.
1: And I remember, you know, I didn't leave the house for three weeks once. Mm. And I remember just going, you know what, this is it. Mm. Just you have to go. You are right. You have to surrender. You have to go with that. Actually, don't wish you were somewhere else. It's like just be here and be mm. in the moment. And actually, you can't change that.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a little while to get there. I'm one of those people who like immediately when something happens, I'm like, we're going to get through this. We're fantastic. We're so good. (laughs) We're going to do this. And I have this like after, like it's like post post. Yeah, yeah. So it's like way after when I start to go, oh, shit, right. This isn't working so well. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had uh, that surrender and time and I've always journaled, always, and so my journal just became an absolute lifeline and I just continued to journal and journal and journal and I'd for a long time I'd had this idea about doing a book around creativity and, and wellness because I'd before I had got sick, I'd been really in that zone and I'd been doing workshops with women who were in business about how to use creativity as competitive advantage and how to use brainstorming properly yeah. and I'd travelled to New York on a scholarship to do this really amazing creativity course. And so, I'm trained in a particular problem-solving model. So, I had a lot of ideas about what I kind of wanted to bring something to the market. Yeah. But then when this happened, I was like, you know what? Creativity is about wellness. And so, I completely reimagined what creativity was and is by simply writing, doing little small sketching, just hanging out in nature. Being with myself, reading, sleeping, healing. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: Because you're right, creativity fills your soul.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh.
1: And, and it yeah. looks different for everybody, which I guess is the whole, you created the book, mm. Daily Acts of creativity.
2: creativity. Yeah. 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 Because what I actually really learned in that whole process was that creativity is an act of love. And it's a practice of love. And I realized that most of my life I'd been living out of fear and not love. Most of the decisions I'd been making was because I was scared or I was avoiding pain. Wow. So I was working towards fear, not love. That's like super insightful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really insightful because some people never figure that out their whole lives. Which is really was the impetus for the book. Yeah. And yeah, and that feeling of like if I do this little bit more, which was I'm always like do more kind of in my work or in life, if I do this little bit more, then they will love me more. And it's all about your own self-worth and your own feeling of am I good enough?
0: Yeah. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to sisterco.com.
2: So tell me about daily acts of creativity. Well, there are a hundred joyful ways. Some are a little bit weird and crazy, but that's the whole point. And some just feel like this is not creativity, but it's really about coaxing out that creative spirit that we all have and we're absolutely are born with, especially women. Yeah. And somewhere along the way we are taught or we someone tells us that we're we're not any good at you know, drawing or something, you know, we we kind of fall over and then we tell ourselves, well, we're not creative.
1: Do you know, absolutely. And when you think about it, I mean, most people, I would say, experience art and creativity in school. Yeah. But also we're kind of marked and judged on that. Yeah. Aren't we? And also, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember – looking around the classroom at other people's drawings or sculptures or pottery or whatever it was we were doing. And I never felt that I was creative. I didn't feel like I was ever good at, mm. at art. You'd look around and be like, oh, that person's amazing at that. Mm. You know, and then you get graded on it. And so, mm. it's very easy for people, I guess, to start and believe that mm. they're not creative, they're not artistic.
2: Absolutely. And it's that that competitive environment and I, I don't believe that's what creativity is. I feel yeah. like art and uh, having a skill, having a creative like a skill, yep. is different to your creative gifts. Yeah. So you can learn how to paint. You can learn how to sing. You can learn how to write. You can you learn how to um, play an instrument or yep. dance steps. Whatever. Or take a photograph. <laughs> or take a photograph, right? So they're skills, but it's when you bring your own unique self expression to that skill, is when you are being your most authentic. And that's when it fills your soul. That's right. With joy. Exactly. And so you might have a gift around, you know, really connecting with people. And so if you bring that gift to a skill, that's when the magic starts to happen and you're really aligned with who you are. That's what I believe. Yeah. And you use it in a different way and you realise that, you know, life is bigger than, than you. And it c- creates meaning and purpose because that's a really important part of well-being is having a sense of meaning and purpose. So, I know that you
1: run art and creativity mm-hmm. workshops. Yeah. When people come to you, do you find that many of them have that mindset of like, actually,
2: I'm not I'm not good at this? Yes, everybody.
1: Really, everybody. <laughs> everybody.
2: everybody. Yeah. So, when I do the VIP art picnics, yeah. they're an absolute joy. They are beautiful. They're gorgeous, just in an inner space that is is also sensually really beautiful with lots of flowers and yeah. and everything around you. Everyone walks in and it's like they're a deer in a headlight. <laughs> they look so
1: terrified. Uh, but do you know what? I did photography class yeah. when I went to be a photographer a long time ago, and I was surprised. I was like, oh, actually, I. I'm, I'm, I'm okay at this. Yeah. I end up coming first in the class which wow. yes I'm totally having a brag moment
2: <laughs> but um, you own it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: but if I had to walk into like like an art sort of class mm. I would totally I could feel myself probably revert back to being in school mm. and like mm. I'm
2: not good at this yeah, look, yeah. that person's better than me and and the imposter syndrome as yeah, well yeah totally yeah well, that is exactly what I love. I love it when women walk or when people walk in like that because I know that they're not going to walk out like that. Yes. And then it's just a, it's a process. The amazing thing that happens though and the thing that just really brings me so much joy is that women in the process of painting and we're just kind of like going through a process and it's very mindful That they start having, a lot of them don't know each other, but they start to have chats, and you know, I might ask questions to open up the conversation around, you know, creativity and where those beliefs have come from that have stopped them, or yeah. And it starts a conversation which you would definitely be aware of when women get together and have conversations and that is actually what they're about.
0: Yeah. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. So you've got the book out,
2: Mm -hmm. Daily Acts of
1: Creativity, Mm -hmm. 100 Everyday Ways to be Creative. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say to fill your soul, to fill your cup.
2: Absolutely. Feel, not
1: feel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell us about what are five things that you might have in the book.
2: Okay, so definitely nature. Nature is the absolute, I feel like it's the absolute number one way to connect with creativity every day. Second thing that, that that does is that it helps you see things differently. So in nature, you might kind of notice a leaf and the, all the veining on a leaf or you might notice the way the sun hits the leaf or, and then reflects on you know somewhere else and so what that does is it opens up your artist's eye like your, yeah. your that eye and you start to see the world the way an artist sees the world
1: yeah that's also mindfulness it's being yeah. in the moment when you stop in nature and you take the time to reflect, look at a flower, look at a leaf, look at a tree yeah. and really notice that and be a part of that, Yeah, that's, that's mindfulness practice as well.
2: It is and I know it seems really simple practices yeah. but that's, that's what I'm all about is that it doesn't have to be a grand gesture. We don't have to be Picasso. We don't have to be, you know, a famous singer or, or mm. to, to experience what that's like to yeah. have that in your life yeah so that is definitely one thing that is a, I feel like is a really awesome thing right now it's really hard because we're in co- like a lot of people are in, in, in COVID yeah. so even simple things like this is one thing that I really love doing and I used to do it when I was a kid if I'm washing up I'll start having an interview with myself. So I'll pretend like I'm being interviewed for, because I'm really famous for doing the dishes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's inventive playfulness. Yeah. So things like that. Having fun. Yeah. Having fun. And so, you know, it doesn't, and and it's going to feel weird. Yeah. It's going to feel really weird, but that's okay because you need to be able to move past that. Yeah. You know, and then another thing that you can do is just put on a piece of music, get a piece of paper, get a pencil, close your eyes and just move like with the pencil on the paper for 10 minutes without moving it off. Yeah. Just draw, which is another mindful exercise, yeah. into the rhythm of the music. Kandinsky, who was a an artist, he used to, that's how he painted. He would have music and he was an abstract painter and he would just paint the rhythms of the music. Yeah yeah so that's a that's a really great practice the other one is often we would start something and we'll self-edit we'll we'll be really judgy and we'll say that's really shit or you know whatever but learning to know that creativity where you get breakthroughs is where you have breakdowns yeah and so when you feel like you're failing then you just start again yeah start creating things for you know the rubbish bin yeah so that you know, no one has to see them. It's just you and the experience of being there in that space. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm.
1: So Amanda, what is it that you've learned on your crazy life
2: journey? What have you learned about yourself? The biggest thing that I've learned is that I'm good enough, that I'm loved, that I am love, Yeah. and that that's actually all that really matters in life. And, and we all are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We are all are connected through the experience of love. And interestingly, it's been a long journey for me to get to that point. And my name, Amanda, means beloved. Ah. And I feel that we're just all love. We're, lo- like yeah. we're, we're meant to experience that as humans. That's how we're connected to each other. Yeah.
1: And everybody is love. Mm. It's just some of us don't realize it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, my friend, daily acts of creativity. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's listening, soul sisters, if you want to be creative, and I am going to say I think we all need creativity in our lives because it does fill our soul. Like Again, as Amanda was saying, even if it's just for yourself, for nobody else, it can lift your vibration, lift your energy and bring you closer to your higher self and closer to love. Mm. If if people want to get a copy of your book and find out more about you, Amanda, how can Mm -hmm. they do that?
2: I go to creativequeenbees.com. And everything you need is there, or you can even just put Daily Acts of Creativity into Google and Amazon and whatnot will come up, but there's books available on my website.
1: Well, I think you're an amazing soul sister, and especially having gone through Mm. facing cancer, ovarian cancer, you know, I know myself, that was kind of brought me to my knees, Mm. but I think you've shown as well that some amazing things can arise from some of the hardest times in our life.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, so mm. hats up to you, sister. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you so much for coming on Hey Soul Sister.
2: Pleasure. Absolute pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesisterco.com.